Warning, this podcast is unfiltered use of dark humor. The punchlines are in no way meant to be taken seriously. The first video game I ever played was Super Mario Brothers. The first video game I ever owned was Spider-Man 2. The first video game I ever beat was Sonic Adventure. Video games have been a part of my life since I was a mere kindergartner, and much like how I have aged and changed over the years, so have the games and the companies that make them. However, games are like food. Different players have different tastes, and players look for games of all eras that sate their palate. So, as 2022 draws to a close and players and games move forward yet again, I figured I would show you what treasures I found throughout this year, whether they come from the past or the present day. Hello, I'm Spencer Sharp, and rev up your red shells, BFGs, Joy-Cons, and whatever else, because I welcome you to the High Score Podcast, as I recommend my top five games that I played in 2022. This is something you simply won't hear anywhere else. Ever hear of the Terminator movies? Of course you have. Killer robots, time travel, one-liners, and an increasingly dowered spiral of worsening sequels. Yeah, it's quite the ride. Well, if Terminator's rapid decline in quality has you on the verge of marking your interest in the franchise as a target for termination, then fear not, because Terminator Resistance will control, alt, and delete those worries. Terminator Resistance is a first-person shooter game developed by Taeon and published by Reef Entertainment. It was, originally, it was originally developed for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Microsoft Windows and Steam. However, in 2021, an enhanced version was released for PlayStation 5. Based on the acclaimed first and second films, and nothing else, the story takes place in the post-apocalyptic Los Angeles in the year 2028. Humanity across the globe has been reduced to near extinction by the murderous artificial intelligence known as Skynet, and mankind's only hope lies in the underground resistance to fight the machines. Jacob Rivers is a soldier in the resistance, led by movie mainstay John Connor. Jacob discovers that he has been specifically targeted by the latest threat from Skynet's mass-produced murderers and is marked for termination. In this game, players can fight against iconic enemies from the films like the Hunter Killers, Spider Tanks, and the iconic and nigh-unstoppable T-850 Infiltrator. Players can choose what kind of hero they want to be by leveling up on their skills and survive by scavenging for resources on missions that carry a wide variety of uses. Players also use a vast amount of weapons from assault rifles and shotguns to rocket launchers and plasma weapons so they can reduce the machines in their way to scrap. Players complete story missions to rise through the ranks of the resistance and side quests to help the allies they meet along the way. The many actions players take as Jacob Rivers will impact the survivors and change the endings. Only they can change the fate of mankind in the war against the machines. So choose wisely, or else it's hasta la vista for all of us. 
What I really like best about this game is just the level of passion these developers had for the source material and how much effort they put into the game to make the experience as engaging as possible. The game's story was surprisingly well written and despite its lack of budget compared to games from AAA developers, the game gives the player a lot of options to combat the Terminators if they can't just simply sneak past them. Not to mention, it's good having the T-800s be genuinely intimidating again, after having a bunch of movies and games have them either be reprogrammed into the protagonist, or just have them be cannon fodder. To the point where players have the option to play as the T-850 themselves in the game's infiltrator mode via a free update. That's sadly exclusive on Steam. The game isn't perfect, however. The graphics look like they came out one or two whole generations ago. The difficulty balancing on some of the tougher enemies don't get properly adjusted to the player around the late game. The game is a bit too generous with its resource gathering on higher difficulties. And they certainly could have done a lot more with a bigger budget behind them. But what they did give us was still expertly crafted. And from the looks of Taeyeon's next upcoming title, Robocop Rogue City, Taeyeon's efforts in game development are only going to get better from here. <clears throat> I rate Terminator Resistance 7 Uzi 9mm out of 10. I want a new Predator game, NOW! So back in 2020, I was eager to get my most anticipated video game of that year and current favorite video game of all time, Persona 5 Royal. When I did get it, the game was everything I could have hoped for, and then some. I thought that I needed nothing else from that year. I recently played Doom Eternal and realized I made a colossal error in judgment. Doom Eternal, of course, is the hit sequel to the critically acclaimed revival game of the Doom franchise back in 2016. It was made by longtime series developer id Software and published by Bethesda Softworks in 2020. Developed for PlayStation 4, Windows, Stadia, Steam, Xbox One, and now new versions are available on the PlayStation 5 and Nintendo Switch. Earth has been overrun by demonic forces from the bloody bowels of hell. Players don the hardened armor of the infamous Doom Slayer, who battles these demonic forces by killing the Hell Priests that command them. The Hell Priests serve the divine entity known as the Con Maker, who desires to sacrifice mankind for her own racist survival. Players have one mission and one mission only. Shoot and kill anything with whatever weapons are in your arsenal. Oh, and some minor platforming and navigation, but it's mostly demon murder. The Slayer comes equipped with numerous weapons and equipment that continuously fuel the player's quest for carnage against Hell's forces. Things like shotguns and plasma rifles, rocket launchers, a chainsaw, a flamethrower, and super weapons such as the Crucible and the aptly named Big Fucking Gun 9000. Yes, that, it's a, that is its official canon name. But do not assume the demons will make the fight easy. 
because Doom Eternal continues the Doom series tradition of difficult challenges and cruel demonic onslaughts with monsters that can easily tear through players' health reserves if they are not careful. However, the Doom Slayer is literally fueled by carnage, and most weapons of plowing through the hordes of hell will give players whatever they need, from health, armor, ammo, and whatever else. What I like best about Doom Eternal is how immersive and engaging the entire experience is. Once you get the flow of the high-octane and fast-paced action settled into your system, the world around you ceases to exist, and the only focus on your mind is the battle ahead and how to survive the horrors that await you. The weapon selection is perfectly balanced, and the game does everything in its power to make the player feel like a demigod. And there are plenty of collectibles and goodies for players to find and, and unlock along the way. Such as weapon modifications, prayers, Praetor Suit tokens, Sentinel batteries to unlock sections of the Doom Slayer's home base, action figurines, music CDs, and even costumes for the Doom Slayer. The experience even doubles in the two-part sequel DLC, The Ancient Gods, which provides more enemies, new levels, and even crueler challenges. With Doom Eternal having received five, five nominations at the Game Awards in 2020, including Game of the Year and Best Action Game, my recommendation cannot be understated. I rate Doom Eternal 9 BFGs out of 10. RIP AND TEAR! In the grim darkness of the future, there exists a holy empire built by mankind that seeks to conquer the stars and usher in a prosperous future for our species. To that end, we did what any sane, rational, sentient life would do. Go full metal album band and genetically mass-produce our own giant super soldiers, put them in several thousand ton sets of power armor with giant guns and chainswords, and then send them out on crazy intergalactic battles against psychic demon cults, traitors, space bugs, psychic space elves, space elves that enjoyed the Saw and Hellraiser movies a little too much, alien communists, and battle-hungry orcs that reproduce like fungi and speak Cockney British. The Warhammer Age sounds like a swell time. Warhammer 40k Space Marine was developed by Relic Entertainment, licensed by the creators of the Warhammer tabletop franchise Games Workshop, and published by THQ in 2011 for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 3, and Xbox 360, with an anniversary edition later added to Steam. The story centers around a group of Astartes in the force of Space Marines, called the Ultramarines, who serve the Imperium of Man. Their mission is to regain control of the, of the Imperial planet Greia that was invaded by an orc war 
under the leadership of Warboss Grimskull. The player assumes the role of Ultramarine Captain Titus, played by celebrity actor Mark Strong, to fend off the orcs from the planet as well as anything else that dares to cross their path. Space Marine is a game that blends third-person shooter gameplay with melee combat that's straight out of a hack-and-slash title. As numerous enemies bombard you with onslaughts on all fronts, be it ranged or up close and personal, melee combat is put as a forefront focus due to the sole fact that much like a certain other game I mentioned, the player gains health from tearing their enemies to pieces with overkill executions. As Captain Titus, players have access to an abundant set of weapons, both for ranged and close quarters combat, from chainswords and power axes to bolter guns and plasma cannons. On top of that, players can enter a super state called Valor, which boosts Titus's power and health regeneration for a brief time. What I like most about Space Marine is that the hybrid of melee and ranged combat is executed well for its time, and truly makes you feel like an Astartes as you paste orcs with weapons several times the size of a normal human. The story and characters are also surprisingly decent, with Titus being a really cool and admirable protagonist, Leandros being a great foil to Titus with his strict and unyielding loyalty to the Ultramarine Codex, and Grimskull being an entertaining antagonist with his typical orc mannerisms and cockney accent. Of course, this makes me want a spin-off game for my boys, the Space Wolves. That isn't some crappy XCOM clone. You don't disrespect the Wolf King of Fenris and his pack like that, GW! Codex Astartes is a set of rules. They guide us, shape us as ultramarines, teach us to hold duty and honor, sacred above all. But how we live with those rules is the true test of a Space Marine. And you, I rate Warhammer 40k Space Marine 8 Orc Wars out of 10. Now if only those Gitsa Games Workshop eased up on their Zog and copyrights, their Alpha Booster work on its TTS series and face, or by Glock and Mark, there's gonna be a mighty big crumping on the horizon. As I mentioned earlier, my favorite video game of all time is Persona 5 Royal, a JRPG developed by Atlas Games and is one of the most famous JRPGs of all time thanks to P5's vanilla release alone. The thing is though, Persona is but a mere spin-off series for Atlas's poster franchise Shin Megami Tensei. So after filling myself up on Persona, I felt confident enough to brace myself and trek through Persona's parent franchise and the inevitable crushing difficulty it provides along the way. Shin Megami Tensei V is a post-apocalyptic Japanese role-playing game. It was developed by Atlas and published by Sega for the Nintendo Switch in 2021, and is the most recent entry in the long-running Shin Megami Tensei series, with returning gameplay elements from its predecessors, such as the ability to fuse demons into even stronger demons. The story involves your typical silent anime high school protagonist of the day, 
and a few other people accidentally making their way into a ruined version of Tokyo where angels and demons wander the wasteland and where the almighty God himself was felled in battle against Lucifer, the devilish lord of chaos. In a desperate effort, the player fuses with an entity named Aogami and becomes a divine being called Anaho Bino who fights against the enemies that stand in their way. The player and Aogami are in a race against numerous beings to claim the throne of God and decide the fate of the world as we know it. Shin Megami Tensei V, which I will now call Mega Ten V to save myself some breath, continues the series tradition of fighting demons, all based on religious and mythological figures, by the way, in increasingly difficult turn-based encounters while picking a moral alignment based on the story and following whatever path the player makes from their choices. Along the way, the demons players fight can be recruited to aid them in their party and fuse them together to make stronger demons to level the playing field against their increasingly dire odds. The characters the player meets along the way have their own moral alignments and paths set for them, and the player's choice decides who prevails, along with who lives and who dies. The god you cravenly revere is dead. What I like about Mega Ten 5 is the fun combat and the numerous demons you can add to your compendium for aid in the cruel battles along the way, with entities like Fafnir, Zeus, Thoth, the Hydra, Khonshu, Jack Frost, the Biblical Archangels, and many more. The story, albeit not perfect, isn't too shabby either. My only complaint on that front is that, like most Megaten games, the narrative is more focused on the moral conflicts and impact of choice rather than developing a cast of characters like its spin-off series tend to do. Though given that this was in development during the COVID-19 pandemic, some of those follies might have been unavoidable on the developer's part. I rate Shin Megami Tensei 5 9 Jack Frosts out of 10. Get Persona 5 Royal and Strikers 2. Hee-ho! Okay, so... I was originally going to talk about Sonic Frontiers this episode, but due to unforeseen circumstances, and by that I mean this episode had a deadline to meet, I had to unfortunately pass Frontiers over. So I'm just going to say that Sonic Frontiers is 10 Cocos out of 10. It is my game of the year. <laughs> it is the Sonic game of my dreams, because I beat it by the time I recorded this. And the creator of Smash Bros. and Kirby gave a thumbs up for the demo he played and absolutely add the soundtrack to your workout playlist. You will want to fight the world after it. <clears throat> 22 is officially the year of Sonic. Where was it going with this? Oh right, to vent out my frustration on leaving Frontiers out, I did what any sane and reasonable gamer would do. Take yet another trip into the bowels of hell and unleash my fury upon all the demonic presences in my general vicinity using a vast assortment of firearms. Don't worry, this pattern isn't intentional. It's pure coincidence, I promise! <laughs> I was expecting to meet the Doomslayer along the way, but instead I found some weird robot that looks like a Nikon camera with legs and wings. Oh, and the Archangel Gabriel was there too. 
Ultrakill is an early access first person shooter made by independent game studio New Blood Interactive. It is exclusively available to play on the Steam storefront platform and was released on September 3rd in the year 2020. Ultrakill has the player step into the chassis of V1, a robot whose appearance I can only summarize as a psychotic security camera. The story is summed up by the game in three short sentences. Mankind is dead, blood is fuel, and hell is full. The game is deliberately styled and designed to be like early 90s shooters such as Quake, Wolfenstein, and Doom, even down to the old polygonal graphic style of the era. The world of the game takes heavy inspiration from Dante Alighieri's biblically inspired classic, The Divine Comedy. As the player descends through the various layers of hell, such as lust, greed, and gluttony, the player holds an arsenal of various guns with a numerous amount of alternate fire modes and ways to turn the various demons ahead of them into clouds of red mist, usually in the most absurd ways imaginable. From a simple charge shot from the pistol, to charging the shotgun's pump to increase the spread, punching to parry numerous attacks like projectiles and a giant's fist, punching your shotgun shells to propel, to propel the volley as an explosive, and, my personal favorite, simply flicking coins into the air to fire a pistol or railgun round to ricochet for a guaranteed headshot. I never lie about absurdity. The player is graded for their numerous stylish actions during combat, with a style meter similar to the critically acclaimed Capcom hack-and-slash game Devil May Cry, which multiplies from hitting targets mid-movement and rewards the player with larger pools of bloody health to regenerate from kills. Much like the shooters it is inspired from, however, the enemies do not intend to give the player a simple walk in the park, especially the bosses such as Hell's Judge, King Minus, V1's robotic doppelganger and rival V2, and even the mighty biblical archangel himself, Gabriel. What I personally like about Ultra Kill is the sheer absurd and fast-paced gameplay that provides ample challenge and satisfaction from my stylish endeavors to survive the onslaughts I face. This, coupled with endearing homages to games I am already a fan of and a great, st and a great soundtrack, make Ultra Kill my personal favorite indie title that I played this year. The game is still early access, however, so it is unfinished, with two parts of its three-part story completed as of this episode. That is absolutely no reason for dissuasion, however. Even in early access, Ultra Kill is still well worth the purchase. I rate Ultra Kill 9 Rickershot coins out of 10. Next time I go on a bloody crusade against demons, I will be sure to bring my officially licensed Gabriel body pillow while listening to Claire de Lune for an optimal cybergrind experience. And those are the top five games I have played in the year 2022. 
I do wholeheartedly recommend all the games I have listed or mentioned in this episode if they tickle your fancy. Here's to another great year of games that await us in 2023. Marvel Spider-Man 2, please don't let me down. This is Spencer Sharp of the High Score Podcast, and I wish you all happy holidays and an even happier new year.